Hey, man, take off your glasses. I thought that was you, man. You almost got busted. I did get busted. I lost my whole investment because of you. Vinny, what the hell is wrong with you, man? You know I'm a businessman. I got to work. What? You come inside there half hour late, and on top of all that, you're going to bring the goddamn cop with you, too? What are you talking, cop? He ain't no cop. That's Dirty Harry himself, man. What the fuck is wrong with you going to bring him in here? You calling me a cop? You definitely a cop. He ain't no cop. He's my nephew. Well, the dude is definitely bad luck. I don't know what he is to you. He's bad luck to me. Bad luck? I'll fucking tell you it's bad luck. My friend's in a prison body shop fixing all the cars that he smashed that day because you had to fuck around. This guy's a fucking clown. Hey, what is, wait a second. What the fucking cop? I'm checking you for a wire, man. You ain't no cop. fucking yeah, yeah. Oh, Why can't I check you if he ain't the cop? Oh, 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 if he ain't why? Why can't I stop the bullshit? Why can't I frisk him? Why can't I Why won't he let me frisk him then? Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Axel. <laughs> Axel. Oh, no, I'm Greg. What a cool name. Axel is such a cool name. It is a cool name. Yeah, shit, that is a cool name. Greg rhymes with egg. <laughs> it's Greg almost an anagram. Yeah, it's almost an anagram, just the R. Yeah. I do like eggs, though. <laughs> eggs are great. So I'll live with it. Eggs are versatile. Mm. They can make scrambled eggs. They can make poached eggs. They can make chickens. It's very stupid. Well, week two. Week two. Of September sequel. Sequel September. Yeah. Sequel Timber. Not to be confused with September. Not to be confused with September yeah. and not to be confused with various other episodes where we've done sequels. But, you know, we like to make a mini series mm. where we can. You guys have asked for it and it's September and alliteration rules. So here we are. Here we are. So last week we did Back to the Future Part 2. This week we're doing Beverly Hills Cop 2. And next week we're going to put up a poll on the socials. We'll probably put that up this week mm. or earlier. Um, to decide what other sequel we should cover this September. Will it be Predator 2? And if you're listening to this, it may be already confirmed. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Because time moves in mysterious ways. I mean, it's pretty linear and consistent. It's, it's a constant. <laughs> but when we record two episodes in one day, Greg and I lose all sense of how time works. Exactly. Especially when we've done a, a time travel film such as Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> or Back to the Future. We used to be so organised that we would have things, uh, we were basically recording two weeks ahead, but we'd make very topical comments that were irrelevant two weeks later. Do you remember that? It was always, mm. I always go to edit and be like, oh, damn it. That's, especially COVID stuff. It was COVID stuff because oh, we'd be like, case numbers. we'd be like, have you heard of this COVID thing? And then it comes out two weeks later and obviously everyone's <laughs> already in lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Ah, fun times. Fun times. Um, Beverly Hills Cop this week. You know, we covered Beverly Hills Cop 1 in one of our very early episodes, maybe in the first 10, I think, potentially. Was it? Yeah, so part of me says go back and check it out. The other part of me says burn it in hell Mm. because a lot of those early episodes make me cringe. But, you know, such is life. Um, But this film came out in 1987, Greg. 87. So between last week and this week, we've we've got a little uh, Expo sandwich going on. Yeah, a little rose between two thorns with uh, Expo 88 in the middle. Exactly. The world was pretty busy prepping, um, <laughs> but the world must go on. We talked last week in um, Back to the Future about 
brand product placement and such. Yeah. Our member berry for 1987 is uh, in a similar of a similar ilk. It was the first year, Tristan, of the McDonald's Monopoly game. The game Monopoly has come to life at McDonald's with a McDLT, Coca-Cola, or $1 million. Collect St. Charles Place, States and Virginia Avenues, and win a dream vacation. Collect these for a $250,000 home. Hello. Over $40 million in cash and prizes. Collect the right game pieces or win instantly. So play Monopoly. Do not pass go. Go directly to McDonald's. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Probably one of the most enduring sales promotions in the history of the universe. Yeah, man. I have a lot of respect for that because, you know, yeah, we work in the world of advertising and marketing and I use that as an example all the time of just it doesn't have to be an ad, you know. There's there's things you mm. can do. Like that has Absolutely. kept Monopoly in culture forever. Mm. And and the other thing that Monopoly do with the themed boards and stuff, like it's just really smart use of owned and shared media platforms. Mm. It's just great stuff. Mm. It's great stuff. I don't know where the – it couldn't get too much on where it came from. Uh, you know, who in the boardroom came up with this genius idea. Mm. But it's endured the test of time. It's still running as far as I know. There's a movie coming out too, right? Because there was a, there was some kind of situation where someone was trying to rip it off. Okay. I, th- I think gaming. Yeah, I think Ben Affleck and um, Matt Damon bought the rights to the story to make the. Make, wait, what do they call it? Scratch and win. It's got different. It's had different monikers over the years. Right. Um, pick your prize, best chance game, prize vault, Monopoly money. Yeah. Yeah, so Ben Affleck has confirmed his movie about the McDonald's Monopoly scam is still in the works. Oh, is that the 2001 fraud? Yeah, so he won the rights to the movie about a scam run by a former police officer who rigged the McDonald's Monopoly game Mm. and collected more than $24 million in the process. Wow. 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 Affleck's going to direct. Matt Damon's supposed to star. That sounds fun. Ah, yes. He'll probably win an Oscar for it and then a few years later people will go, was it really that good? No, I don't know. <laughs> like Argo. <laughs> Very good. Mm. Did you ever win anything on it? Only instant wins, like some fries mm. and stuff. But that was a big win back in the day, man. Wasn't it? Yeah, man. Did you ever get as a prize at things like those McDonald's vouchers and it looked like a little business card and it would have like a picture of a cheeseburger on oh, it? Oh, yeah. Those were yeah. so cool. I won like a ton one year. They were great. It was, uh, getting a free small fries at that age because we never we didn't really eat McDonald's ever. It was a big deal. Oh, huge! Did you ever win? Uh, just the just the instant stuff. A mate of mine worked at Macca's. He got one of the barbecues because no, there was like they get a bunch of unclaimed prizes at the end of it because I don't think a lot of people play it. So he got this brand new big six burner barbie. Pretty good. Shit. So lesson there is. You should enter the second chance draw. There you go. Crack the code. Yeah. Anyway. Big year for Monopoly and McDonald's. McNopoly? No, they probably don't call it that. Um, <laughs> big year for movies too. The biggest movie, this is kind of crazy. The biggest movie in the world in 1987, Fatal Attraction. Crazy. I just don't think that would happen anymore. There's There's no like hulks in it. Oh, but there is. <laughs> Greg's doing his Michael Douglas face. 
I just had sex. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not done, face. Yeah, that's the one. It's a distinct. I'm almost ready again. <laughs> oh, Douglas. Uh, it was also the year of Dirty Dancing. Uh, three Men and a Bear, mm. Bear, which we've covered. Good Morning Vietnam. Just as which we, we go through these. Covered. Sorry? Just as we go through these titles, just picture Michael Douglas playing the lead in all of them. Okay. Good Morning Vietnam. Can't really do a Douglas. It is, yep. It's like his Tick. voice is high and low at the same time. Yeah. That's a astute description. It's kind of up there somehow. It's like he's got the vibrato of it, that deep voice, like that thing, but it's actually up here but somewhere. It's quite high. Yeah. Um, we should do a Michael Douglas podcast. That should be the whole premise. He's done enough movies. I'm, I'm up for it. We'll do some Kirk pictures too. Um, <laughs> Lethal Weapon was this year. Predator. Oh, we've covered some good ones. Moonstruck, The Untouchables, Wall Street, which we've covered. The Running Man, which we've covered. Masters of the Universe, which we've covered. Spaceballs, which we've not covered yet, but we really want to. The Lost Boys, Full Matter, mm-hmm. Full Matter Jacket. Mm-hmm. Elm Street 3, one of the best ones. Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol, which I think is all of the Police Academy movies usually. Um, yeah. I thought, I thought that was the premise of Police Academy, but... That's the premise. That's the premise. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want to... Back to the future in the time machine. <laughs> Back to the future. Colin, the DeLorean, is a time machine. <laughs> um, but there was a film, Greg. A sequel, as it were. About a man. A man from Detroit. A cop from Detroit, who, mm-hmm. who would find himself in the hills, Beverly Hills, that is. Mm. little film called Beverly Hills Cop, Duh. Came out in May of 1987. Budget of 27 million dollars. Gross box office of 300 million dollars. Wow! I think wow. only like 15 mil behind uh, the first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Rotten Tomatoes score, critic score of 46 percent, audience score of 57 percent. Again, I was quite surprised by that. I know that mm. it's pretty much accepted that the third one is not great, but I, I didn't think it was such a steep decline mm. because even the audience score is 57 percent, which you know. Is telling. Yes. Um, the critic consensus here, Eddie Murphy remains appealing as the wisecracking Axel Foley, but Beverly Hills Cop 2 doesn't take him or the viewer anywhere new to justify a sequel. Interesting. Mm. Mm. Yeah. For reference, part one had 83%, 82% respectively, critic and audience score. So They needed a theme park or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> or at least say I should. Was this a big one for you? Uh, yes, it was. So I have a very vivid, which doesn't happen often, I have a very vivid uh, recollection of my introduction to this film um, by way of a primary school friend, um, Emmanuel. So Emmanuel had joined us at Brony Park Public uh, in about year five, I think. Let's go with year five. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, we quickly became mates and he had a couple of older sisters 
Um, you know what it's like. Ones with older siblings tended to get access to the films that we craved yet couldn't yeah. procure. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, we, I went around to his one weekend and he's like, it's Beverly Hills Cop 2, what are you talking about? I hadn't heard of it. That would have been in about 1992. Yeah. Probably. I was about 10. Uh, and this film would have been about five years old. Mm. Um, yeah. And we watched it and it was just super cool. It's Eddie Murphy. You know, Eddie Murphy is obviously wasn't his uh, legendary. Yeah. So I have very clear viewing of this film. And I just remember, um, what's her name? Bridget Nelson. Yeah, Bridget Nelson. Yeah. Being very tall. She is tall. Striking. Striking woman. Striking woman. Uh, yeah. I don't remember necessarily particular bits from the movie other than I watched it and I loved it and I watched it many times. And, again, until recently, it's similar to, to Back to the Future last week, I thought number two was better than number one until I <laughs> yeah. realised it's not. Big time. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I think we talked about last time how – we both didn't watch the first one first. And I think I watched the third one first. And I know that's, ah, that's you know right. yeah. widely accepted as not the good one, but I loved it. Um, and I think I thought it was better just because it was newer, you know, at that age. And then as the years went on, I'd discover the rest. Yes. But, yeah, the second one, you know, I eventually owned them all on DVD, like the box set or whatever. And so I would plow through them all all the time, like in the uni years, like roommate years and that kind of thing. But, but yeah, I, I – if you had asked me two days ago before I rewatched it, what happens in part two, I probably wouldn't remember. Like it was, it's hard to, I know that the third one's the theme park one. The first one, well, I guess I don't know what well, there's art and coffee grounds. That's all I really remember. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and, yes. and this is the one without and that Serge. Guy. This is the only one I know. That's, that's the, my, my one thing I always remember about this one is there's no Serge. Hmm. Yeah, it's a distinct hole. <laughs> Lack of siage. Lack of siage. Surge sounds like a detergent. Yeah, yeah. But like you, I had kind of hypothesized it, it without remembering it distinctly. I was really excited to do this one because I thought, oh, maybe it's best of both worlds. You know, it's a bit newer, um, but it's not as shit as number three. So, you know. Sequel. Yeah. And because, you know, the, the origin story, which I'll get into in a second, but of the first one, how, you know, it was a bit all over the map. It was not a comedy than it was. So theoretically, you know, they could be more deliberate this time around perhaps. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But should I get into the origin story on that note? Yeah, 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 get into it. Origin story. So the first one came out in 1984. I'll do a quick recap of the origin story there. It was directed by Martin Brest. Um, infamously, it was not originally going to be a comedy, as I just said, and it was going to star as Sylvester Stallone. Of course. Um, but he had ideas, you know, he did his classic Stallone rewrite, which took it way over budget, <laughs> and they were like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, this, is, this, is not, this is just a whole different movie now, and it's like, you know what, I'm Cobra. So he would have made Cobra. Um, what would have been Axel Cabretti uh, became Marlon Cabretti with awesome number plates. Um, so he's out. <laughs> and nice jeans and boots. <laughs> and humorous Flares. observations about ketchup quantities. Do you have a life preserver? What? Your french fries drowning here. <laughs> <laughs> to Bridget Nelson. Who else? Interesting, right? 
Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I'll go more on that later. Um, Eddie Murphy enters. Hilarity ensues. Box office explodes. $316 million at the box office. Number one movie of the year around the world. So both last week and this week, we're doing sequels to movies that were the number one film in the world. World, world, world. Wow. Wow. So, again, sequel talk is inevitable. I feel like I'm going to say this every week at this point for, for sequel September. But interestingly here, Paramount actually wanted to do a TV series spinoff, not a movie. That's right. Yeah. Which is the style now. Yeah. And which, I mean, we can talk more about this. Not a bad idea. I think that would have been great. Just tune in weekly for more Axel adventures because, you know. Yeah. It's kind of in that territory in this film anyway. Yeah, exactly. And not to jump too far ahead, but in watching this before I did the origin story, I was thinking, fuck, this would have been just as easier as a TV show. Just, I don't know, space it out a bit. Really? It felt yeah. a bit overwhelming. Anyway. Less reliant on a, well, less need of a plot. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eddie says he'll do it, but he wants to do a proper sequel, not a TV show. Um, meanwhile, there's a hot new director in town. Sure is. Hot off the heels of a little film called Top Gun. (laughs) Greg's doing an impersonation of a a jet. Sorry, I'm quite visual this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll start recording these things, um, visually. But we're not really set up for that. It's a pretty underwhelming visual experience. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be good if we could just do avatars or something. Surely that's going to happen soon. Anyway, Tony Scott. Tony Scott, man. Paramount brings him on board. Tony Scott, the late great. Yeah, yeah. Now, the initial idea for this film was that it would be set in London and Paris, which sounds, again, sounds great. I'm totally into that. Yeah. Uh, But Eddie didn't want to film outside of the US. (laughs) So what the fuck? I feel like that's a a big missed opportunity there. I know. Take it global. Think Think about him chatting to English and French people. Yeah. Pulling his, pulling his little gags. Exactly. And as far as sequels go, and you can find Serge in his whatever country he's from, <laughs> they might have to make up a fictional country like they're doing Marvel films. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it makes sense, yeah, from, from a sequel <laughs> point of called? view. With uh, Sokovia. Oh, where's, where's um, that guy, where's Andy Kaufman's character from in Taxi? L- Latka. Latka? I don't know. No, that's his name. Uh, who knows? I'm unraveling, Greg. Okay. <laughs> I've had a few beers. <laughs> We're doing a double. <laughs> Very good. So I've had it's all the Friday beers that I usually have in one episode and now we're on to the second episode. <laughs> <laughs> How many beers is that? Like four? Three? Five. You've got five beers? It's nearly finished. Then i got the yes. six pack is nearly finished. But I don't feel that drunk. Oh, I just feel yeah. out of breath. <laughs> You don't seem drunk at all. You're doing well. No, I just feel out of breath. I just <laughs> <laughs> I try to do too many words <gasps> per breath. Oh, okay. Europe would have been great. You know, we talk about sequels and we talked last week about how good use of a sequel is to invert the premise of the first. Another good use of sequel arguably would be to raise the stakes or, you know, Change a natural progression would be Europe. Do it. That makes sense. Anyway, mm. they didn't because Eddie didn't want to. I also noticed he had a story by credit, and I wonder if that's why his input was do it in America. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's called Beverly Hills Cop, not 
Yeah. Paris cop. Well, yeah, I was thinking about that. What would they call it? Yeah. Bish bash bosh, you got yourself a film. Let's play the trailer. Let's do it. Axel Foley is back. Who is he? I'd say he's a cop. <laughs> this is a Detroit badge. What the hell are you doing in Beverly Hills? I'm going deep, 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 deep undercover. Back where he doesn't belong. Excuse me, we're the owners of this house. They're in Hawaii for a week while the construction's happening. I'm Axel Foley, Beverly Hills building inspector. You've stolen this house. How do you steal a house? It's my uncle's house. <laughs> Reunited with all his old buddies. What the hell's going on here? Who the hell are you? I'm Johnny Wishbone, psychic extraordinaire. If you need me, just think Johnny Wishbone and I come running. Lots and biddles. It's like kibbles and bits, but different. Oh, this is a big mistake, a big mistake. Would you lighten up and take some risks? This is definitely breaking the law. So how long would it take to shave those legs anyway? I suppose you're trying to be charming. Actually, I'm just offering my grooming services. Get out of here, you degenerate. I want you out of here. Is this a black thing? Hey, tell your alarm, you're going to break it. I need authorization. Authorized. Are we having a problem here? You have to. Axel Foley. And this is Max. And Max kills cops for a living. Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop 2, The Heat's back on. Good to hear old Don LaFontaine once more. Always, always. Uh, not a bad trailer. It's mostly sound bites though. It doesn't quite get into the plot. So I don't yeah. know, maybe, maybe you could help our listeners out, Greg. Yeah, and help myself and potentially you out <laughs> because I had no idea what happened in this movie. Thank and you. I had to read it on Wikipedia. Thank you. No idea. Man. So I'm going to read you this. We'll talk more about that <laughs> later. But yes, fuck. It's wild, man. I, I thought I was crazy. Okay. Continue. Man, I was like, what just happened? Were they bank robbers? <laughs> um, okay. So Aquel is back in his native Detroit working some credit card guys. Uh, but meanwhile, back in LA, the chief that didn't like him but in the end was mates with him, Captain Bogomil, he's onto something. He's, uh, he's detective and he's onto something. Things have changed back there, though, Tristan. There's a, uh, a grumpy, uh, angry police chief in town, Harold Lutz. So Bogomil, Taggart and Rosewood are trying to catch the alphabet robbers. They're, they're uh, hitting high-end stores and they do that thing where they're, when they're in there, they, they count. They're counting down when they're doing the, the robbery. 30 seconds, etc. So that's movie language for these guys are good. 
It means they know what they're doing, Tristan. They're not amateurs. They're professionals. Yeah, right. Because they're counting. Interesting. Uh, then something happens and Lutz gets angry and starts firing and suspending people. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> and Bogomil's so close to this thing. He's so close to this thing that uh, that they shoot him. The bad guys, Alphabet crew, shoot him uh, yeah. in cold blood in one of those palm tree streets. Uh, of Beverly Hills, classic location in Beverly Hills. Yeah, it's very public. I would, I would, I would say. Yeah. Uh, so Aquil gets the call and he's over there asap. He leaves Paul Reiser in charge of his undercover Ferrari and off he goes. He's back in LA, back in Beverly Hills, trying to help the guys, but they're suspended. Don't forget. Of course. So they're like, oh, you know. So similar setup. They're reluctant to get involved, but it's for the chief. You know. So uh, where are we? So there, yeah. They, uh, Axel gets to work, and we know he's a real sleuth. So he gets one of the casings of the, of the, from this crime scene where the captain was shot. I don't know what the difference between a captain and a chief is, but anyway. <laughs> uh, Bogomil uh, gets the, ca- the casing of the bullet and uh, tracks it down to a high-end golf club. A uh, golf club? Gun club. <laughs> and it turns out the baddies own it guy called Dent. Now, Tristan, this is where the plot gets thicker. Okay. This guy, Dent, owns the club and they do some digging through their insurance company contacts to work out that Dent's been making claims on all these businesses that are getting robbed. They're his businesses that are getting robbed. Mm. So it looks like he's robbing his own joints to get the insurance money. Yeah. And then... And then, one step further, because that's a bit boring, he's using that money to fund uh, arms dealings. So he's buying and selling guns with someone <laughs> with fuck? his insurance money from the stores that he robs from the stores that he owns. So, uh, yeah, then it turns out through the insurance computers that uh, all his businesses have gone insolvent except his racetrack. So we learn he's going to do one last big hit. On his racetrack, on Spring Carnival race day, I assume he's very busy there, uh, many dollars, and then flee the country with his um, with with uh, Sylvester Stallone's wife. <laughs> Although I don't really see the point. If like why, what's the significance of the place being insured if you're going to flee with all the money you stole from your business? If you're not going to file a claim because you're fleeing with the money you stole, I don't quite get yeah. significance. You could rob anything if you run away. Basically, everything you're saying is news to me. <laughs> I, right? I missed all of that. Yeah. And then they have a shooty-shooty, the, catch the baddies, Bogomil survives, and then they fire the chief on the spot because he's a bad guy. Uh, no due process, they just fire him. <laughs> uh, he gets the job. Eddie Murphy gets eight million bucks and didn't have to leave the country. Bish, bash, bosh. <laughs> yeah, Finn. <laughs> Make another one in ten years. Oh man, theme park. Man, yeah, I feel validated, man, because I was worried. I I didn't set myself up well for viewing conditions, and and I watched it in fragments. Yeah. And I think I watched both, like not literally at the same time, but I like watched half of Beverly Hills Cop. Then I watched, yeah. then I watched Back to the Future too. Then I went and finished Beverly Hills Cop, and I was I felt so lost, and I was like, "Fuck, is it me? Did I fuck this up?" 
And I just, I couldn't understand what was happening. <laughs> I fucking tried. I think I, like I rewound it further than where I left it just to be like, come on, what, what is the story here? I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. Um, and again, like I said before, if, if I had to, you know, recap the plot to, for the first one, I, I probably wouldn't do a great job right now, but it didn't feel confusing. It felt like, oh yeah, it's a, it's a movie and stuff happened and that's fine. Mm. And, you know, I, yeah, I guess you don't watch these movies for the plot. You watch it for Eddie Murphy banter and that, that was kind of there, but yeah, it did feel like overall the script wasn't as good. Mm. Didn't really hit the spot the same way the first one did for me. I, I was I was wondering, I don't know if this is true, but you know how the first one, I think the first one is a real lightning in a bottle moment. Like I don't think it's amazing because the script was great necessarily. I think, you know, as, as we learned, it was not even a comedy no. at the start. Then Eddie Murphy comes on board and like there's a lot of improv and yeah this beautiful thing happens that they happen to be recording on camera. <laughs> yeah. And then, I don't know, going into this one and and being more intentional with it, does it lose some of that that magic? I don't know. I don't know. Mm, perhaps. Yeah, that could be way off there. But, yeah, I don't know. How did you feel about it? Yeah. Um, definitely some good Eddie in it. You know, there's some really good. Yeah. His, you know, his uh, character's trademark um, hustle moments are still good there are some classic ones uh, like the house and the paper bag with the bomb like those are yeah. in my brain is too iconic yeah yeah but the fact that the plot is so convoluted made it less good than i remember same yeah um would probably be my headline i don't know like i didn't dislike it it just wasn't as amazing as it was to me when i was a kid yeah, it was still a fun watch. this was probably my favourite movie was when I was a kid. Like this was right up there. It's interesting, Right at the pinnacle. I wouldn't say – it's interesting because the premise of the podcast, you know, I, I would have thought would have more of these where – not that this is a stinker. I still like yeah, it. Yeah, I'd still rewatch it. But to your point, going going from being your favourite movie to it just being pretty good is a pretty significant thing. Where I feel like a lot of movies we cover, we either knew it was dumb and we're just watching it again for fun or we loved it and it's still good. There hasn't been too many like mm. plot twists like that. But yeah, this one again, like you, I still liked it. Um but yeah, I could really tell the difference relative to the first one. Like it did feel like a significant difference. Yeah. And maybe it's because even though it's not a plot driven type of movie, like you don't watch it for the plot, but I guess if you're confused by the plot, maybe it just takes you out of it and you don't get the, I don't know, maybe the jokes don't hit the same or something. I don't know. Yeah. I think we both probably watched it in suboptimal watching conditions. Two two movies in a week on top of work and life and getting notes out is is a stretch these days. Yeah. Uh, so you probably have to caveat, for me at least, that it wasn't supreme viewing conditions. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's tough. Because we yeah we did we did this one and and Back to the Future two in the same week listeners that's a big ask mm. when we did yeah. Back to the Future one we took two weeks I don't know if you remember that we did two weeks to prep for that because it was so big yeah that's right now we're doing two in one but yeah I, I, I hear the um we touched on the Bridget Nielsen thing yes and what is so fascinating about that is she's with Stallone. From from Rocky mm-hmm. four or four, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's where they meet. Stallone nearly makes this movie. 
makes Cobra instead. Uh-huh. She's in Cobra. Then she's in this, has an affair with Tony Scott and her and Stallone break up in 1987. It's crazy. So <laughs> Stallone's been fucked over by, by Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait till we do part three and we find out, I don't know, Eddie Murphy, I don't know, ran over his dog. Yeah. <laughs> his new dog? <laughs> yeah, his new dog. Um, it's crazy. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. It would have been. I, I forgot that. Um, I forgot that they met on Rocky. It would have been neater if they met on Cobra, and it's just this like closed loop of Beverly Hills Cop pain into Cobra into divorce. Like that's painful, man. Anyway, sorry, Stallone. Sorry that had to happen to you. Right, he he he's doing all right. He's doing just fine. Or is he? Unless Rosewood has run off with his current wife and that's why they split up. Hey, there you go. Well, you know, because he wasn't too keen on having old Rosewood in Rosemount. Is it Rosewood or Rosemount? It's Rose something. I always forget because they do Billy. a running joke of him having a different name. Um, because when I think he was cast when Stallone was still in the picture and he, was, he wasn't happy with having someone so tall being, um, you know, Ah, uh, yes. Reinhold is a tall man. Yeah. Also a close talker. Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> he just kind of wanted to hang out with Stallone's parents. The <laughs> <laughs> It's a good segue, Greg, because there are obviously things I liked about this movie. Like you already touched on, the Eddie Murphiness of it all. There's some great moments there, some classic ones that are that are pretty old time. The house, the uh the paper bag bomb thing. Mm. The tempo. The what? The tempo of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the aesthetic, the aesthetic of the film, oh, I would yeah. say as well. Like, oh yeah, having done this so close to Top Gun, it really kind of cemented in my brain that there is a Tony Scott aesthetic that I really dig. Mm. Like, that's a, it's pretty distinct. It's really pretty. This movie, there's some great shots, and mm. um, mm. I think his '80s aesthetic is is the one. The Top Gun, Beverly Hills Cop, Two Days of Thunder. Last Boy Scout is like 91 or something. That's the kind of 80s. Yeah. He likes a sunset, sunrise. He likes the sun. Yeah, he likes the sun. He likes that orange hue. Yeah. 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 Yes. I also loved that we got a young Chris Rock in there. Yeah. We got a Gilbert Gottfried in there. I totally forgot he was in it. I guess we get him instead of Selge and he was great. Is there something that I have in this office that I could hand to you and that would make you kind of forget that you're holding those uh, little pink tickets there? What are you trying to say, sir? Like you'd be holding something in that hand and this hand you'd forget about. This hand you'd be concentrating on. That hand you'd go, what? What did I have there? I don't even remember. Oh, you mean like if I had um, $200 in this hand? Ouch, let go of my arm. Two hundred dollars! Ouch! Please, I'm robbing you. That's what I'm. That's right. I feel like he was the Sauge replacement. Apparently, they just improv that that whole scene. Yeah, he's it's a bit different approach to Sauge. R.I.P. Gilbert. Um, I really loved that scene. Yeah, that 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 was like a lean forward moment for me because I was a little, you know, I was lost it, and I I didn't even know what he was in the movie for. Like I couldn't really understand what his character was, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that scene. Yeah. Oh, uh, $200. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's enjoyable. One and two, nice and crispy for you. <laughs> Chris Rock, man, he was like twenty-two. Yeah, he looked about twelve. <laughs> he's had a he's he's in the headlines this week. Have you seen? Oh no, why? He made uh, some distasteful comments when he was asked about doing the Oscars again or he's in stand-up he was saying that he's not doing the Oscars again. He was like, oh, what, who's the who's the girl that OJ didn't kill? Um, oh. Nicole Brown Simpson. <clears throat> he was yeah. like, oh, no, that would be like <clears throat> Nicole Brown Simpson going back to get her wallet. Um, well, I don't know, some, I didn't quite get it but I'm not. Um, but basically making a joke and people are like, oh, all right, so people are up in arms because he's making a joke about a white woman's murder. Oh, I don't know. Make, people yeah. just fucking yeah, relax, man. He's a comedian and he makes jokes like that. Of course he's not saying, oh, my God, oh, my, I don't need to defend it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> everyone's so up in arms. He got slapped at work and his employer did nothing about it and they invited him back to host. That's fucked. <laughs> That's their is that their version of fucking like making it better? Well, why don't you just do more work next yeah, year? Probably. Fuck you! He's right. There's a, it's an astute observation there. He could have come back with uh, headgear on. That would have been funny, or like a mouth guard. <laughs> There's some visual yeah. comedy. That's a good point. If he did host, it would be delightfully awkward because you know would would Will Smith be there? What jokes would they make? He's got a band for a couple of years, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. Is he not allowed to join? I don't know. can't remember. What about Jada? Can she go? Will she go? <laughs> Who knows? Well, that, that, reminds me, that reminds me of another Chris Rock joke. <laughs> Do you remember that one? Because she, she no. um, boycotted the Oscars one year and, she, and he said, Jada boycotting the Oscars is like me boycotting Rihanna's panties. <laughs> I wasn't invited. <laughs> some say that's part of the backstory behind the slap like there's some ongoing stuff there yes, either way yes you know slap the whole thing's fucking stupid anyway we don't need to rehash that whole thing anyway yes we got hugh hefner in there as was the style at the time it feels like <laughs> yes. um you had to have a playboy <laughs> mansion scene yeah it was a real thing back then right even in fresh principle air there's a there's a Playboy Mansion episode. Man, there's a guy at that party having the best time. Yes, you know? yes. <laughs> Random dancing guy. He's my low-key MVP. He is great. <laughs> so there's, I guess there's like a volleyball court and, you know, I'll play a clip if, if it was if it was saying something, but he's just dancing. But um, he's dancing with all the Playboy models and I feel like either he Get had a bigger down. part that was cut or he's just an extra that was feeling it. They close the scene on him. Like the end of the scene is fading out watching him dance. <laughs> and he's having a great time. He was awesome. I kept thinking like am I supposed to know who he is? Is he a main character that I missed or something? But no, he's just some guy, He's right? definitely, yeah, I feel like that's definitely would be my approach to the Playboy Mansion. Just get down. <laughs> Absolutely, man. <laughs> Greg's doing the dance. The Playboy thing, it also reminded me that, you know how sometimes even doing research on this pod, it's so interesting how part of the culture Playboy was. I always thought of it as boobs. Mm. Yeah. But it was part of the culture. Like often we'll find old interviews or something in preparation for the pod and it's an interview with Playboy. Like you'll find an amazing quote from Paul McCartney or something and it's like, 
he said it in Playboy in 1978 Playboy. or something. It's weird. Where were, they, where were these interviews? Did people actually read it for the articles? Yeah. It was a lifestyle magazine for the discerning gentleman. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then we got Paul Reiser in there. He's great in this. And he was. He's great. He's so good in this. I was expecting, I think when we watched the first one back in the day, I was expecting more Paul Reiser and the Ferrari thing. And yeah, yeah I thought all of that was in part one. But it was great to see it here because I love it. Mm, it's good. And he crashes it. Uh, yeah. He's in Stranger Things. Well, that's the thing. He's having a bit of a moment now. As he's got a bit of an elder statesman vibe to him. He's also in The Boys. I don't know if you've watched that. It's a good show. No. Um, he's great. He's Yeah, he's doing this old man, I'm just having fun thing now. Um, he's yeah, a bit more of like, like an eccentric it. rich man in The Boys. Oh, yeah. And in Stranger Things, he's, he's a nice, he's a sweet man. Did he die? I don't know. Maybe. Does anyone die in that show? I don't know. Uh, oh, Bob died. Is he at Vecnid? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Greg did a good impression. Greg's very visual this episode. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> He's floating above his podcasting station. <clears throat> what else? What else did I like? Many things. Uh, you know what? You know what I liked about it, Greg? There's some kind of the sweetness to this movie. Oh, the music too. Before we get to music. Oh, you go. There's yeah. some sweetness to sweetness. this movie. There's something about the bond and and the fact mm. that even the captain, like, you know, he went there for the captain and I don't know, there's a nice bond that they formed in part one, which I think it's a nice, yeah, is nicely extended in this. And along those lines, yes. actually, I think um, Rose Mount, Rosewood, whatever his name is, had a nice uh, character development in, into this one because I don't think it was there in the first one and I think... A bit like that other point I was expecting to see it in the first one. Like this is the one where he pulls out the big gun. Yeah. This is the one where he has the Cobra poster in his house. This is the one where we see his house and it's full of plants and action movie posters and it's weird and delightful. Yeah. I, I like that. I really like that. That was that was nice. But yes, your point, the music. Yes. Very astute on your part. It's very astute on your part. This was the debut of controversial Michael George Michael song. <laughs> I want your sex. <laughs> was it? Yeah, I wouldn't have expected um, seeing that played for female strippers, but, you know, I guess at the time it won a Raspberry, Golden Raspberry Award, of course. Oh. A Razzie for worst song. Oh. Meanwhile, another song called Shakedown was Oscar nominated. But it did That's not That's right. Win. The other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Bob Seger. So that was that not around in was that song on the first one? I don't think so. Yeah. Do you know what it lost to? Yeah, what did it lose to? Time of my life, dirty dancing. Boom. 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 Yeah, that's pretty fair. That wouldn't have won if Patrick Swayze wasn't dancing to it, though. That's true, man. People just pictured Swayze. That's good point. Swayze. Astute on your part. It's very astute on your part. Um, did you know yes. that uh, the song I was getting it confused with is uh, The Heat Is On from Beverly Hills Cop? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a similar feel to them. And, Definitely. Uh, Seeger's friend and fellow Detroiter, as here on Wikipedia, Glenn Frey, 
who was the singer from The Heat Is On, was meant to do the recording of Shakedown, but he came down with laryngitis. So they said, hey, let's keep the money in Michigan and get me mate Bob Seger from, with the Silver Bullet Band to perform Shakedown. That's interesting because that's, that's another good point on the whole sequel thing. It did feel like we were missing in Back to the Future Part 2 a Huey Lewis number. I know it was in the trailer, but I'm pretty oh. sure that wasn't in the movie. Yeah. Like that feels like a good sequel evaluation criteria. Does it have an iconic song that is almost a sequel to the first Connected. iconic song? Yeah. And this mm. one kind of is mm. to your point. So it was meant to be sung by the same guy. Yeah, fuck. There you go. Interesting. Very astute. You're getting many astute this I'm episode. Very astute on your part. Yeah, it's the, it's the dancing. <laughs> or the beers. Maybe it's the beers. Yeah, I'm giving gen- <laughs> generous astutes. <laughs> you get an astute. You get an astute. <laughs> Man, Eddie Murphy makes an astute. So this is a good point that I didn't really think about um, as, a, as a white ignorant man. But it's interesting, again, thinking about this movie in its historical context, it was still the 80s, man. And... um while this movie may have some flaws, he makes a really good point, which I think is pretty interesting. He probably made the same point in the first one, but it's still valid here, I guess. I'll play a clip. I'm one step ahead of every character in my picture. And uh, there are movies like that. You know, usually the black guy is like, so what happens now? You know, <laughs> in most pictures, and my guy is like running the show. Mm. You know, a small point, but a valid one, I think, worth including. Absolutely. You'd give it an astute, wouldn't you? I'd give that an astute, yeah. Yeah, I would. Especially at this point. Modelo. This podcast <laughs> is brought to you by Modelo. That fighting spirit. Seems to be your beverage of choice very much. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Reminds me of being in Mexico. Oh, well. What else is and it's there? it's in a can. I uh, like my beers canned. Mexico in a can. Um, yeah, my beers can here. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, we talked about um, the captain, and we talked about some uh, some some slashies in the previous episode. Um, the captain, played by Ronnie Cox, is a slashy himself, and in fact, he's a musician first and foremost now. Yeah. So he basically turns down most most ninety percent of acting gigs in favor of playing over one hundred shows at festivals every single year. He's been inducted That's into so the many. New Mexico Music Hall of Fame. And has a award-winning song called Portales. You you got that handy? I do. You ain't got no money. Your visa was declined. It's what the cashier told me. Said you're holding up the line. Pretty girl behind me Rolled her eyes and shook her head I was digging in my jeans for my last ten dollar bill And I wish that I was dead but that's There life. you go, delightful man, living the dream, in just being a sweet old human <laughs> the only I love that for you <laughs> I love it for us yeah, that's my dream. Yeah. Just make stuff. Mm. Like origami. Unfortunately, I need to earn money. 
Yeah, origami. Macaroni pictures. Yeah, macaroni Mother's Day cards, that kind of thing. Um, Greg, you and I were texting before about how this is this is a hard one to write notes on because, you know, we cover a lot. Because this sequel doesn't bring much new to the formula, there's not a lot to, to break apart versus what we've talked about in the first one. But being an Eddie Murphy picture, there is a great promo tour that went along with this film. And um, I, I, there's some great interviews floating around. My favourite one is this one with uh, Johnny Carson. And I'll just play the first little bit because it is just, again, captures everything that's fucking great about this guy. Fucking love it. I guess they don't like you. <laughs> you ever get tired of hearing that when you uh, Never. when you walk out? Not at all. Yeah, thanks for coming tonight. Thanks for having me again. Do do the laugh for me. When you no, get tickled, man. do the laugh. <laughs> I laugh before we finish. So no, but they can do it. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it. <laughs> what were you doing ten years ago this year? You remember? Oh, ten years ago, I was stealing somebody's bike. <laughs> <laughs> More than like. Do you remember? Yeah, I'm 26, 16. Yeah, 16 we was going over old. into Merrick and steal bikes. <laughs> remember Clint? Yeah. And they caught us and they jumped Woody Miller's mom when she came to get us. Because <laughs> 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 they came because they had us beating us up and their mother came and said, let my son go in. And they took a shot at the mother? But it wasn't Woody. It was somebody's mother. Somebody's mother got beat down in Merrick. I don't know who it was. <laughs> Did you bring a gang with you here tonight? I brought what? my friends. What uh What's the statute of limitations on? I think you're over it anyway. Huh? It's only 16, 10 years from now. I don't think they can prosecute you, but you wouldn't recommend that kids go around on bicycles. Nah, we, it was just, we didn't have no bike, so we stole some. <laughs> well, I can't think of a better reason. Hey, man, he's got a bike. Let's take it. Uh, did you ever think in your wildest dreams, Eddie Murphy 16 years ago, bike thief would be where you are today? <laughs> No, I don't know. Well, well, you must have had some thoughts. I mean, you, you obviously you like to entertain, and then Saturday Night Live came along, and you, you know people dream about big things happening. But did you think it'd be this big? I, um, I don't. I guess you don't think when you steal the bike, you just think get this bike and leave. <laughs> <laughs> you don't work on the chain, going. You know, maybe one day I might be on the Tonight Show. So all you young bike boosters out there watching tonight, remember, no, don't. <laughs> you have guys in the backseat of police cars going, I'm going to be a star one day. <laughs> Eddie Murphy's one of those guys. Where obvi- his movies are great, obviously, but I could also just watch his interviews over and over again. Mm. Like he's up there, like Jeff Goldblum, Eddie Murphy, who else? Norm MacDonald. <laughs> all the interviews are so fucking great. They're just. Yeah. Number one content. So I guess, you know, that that's another point in favor of this film. It meant he got to do talk shows and create more great content. Um, all right. Well, with that, Greg, should we get into the verdict? Yeah. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. 
and that's all I have to say about that. I would say definitely worth a rewatch. I wouldn't put. I mean, I definitely prefer the first one. So if I'm going to rewatch one soon, it's going to be the first one. But <laughs> I've watched that one. I've watched this one more recently. So what do you want? But the first one is a lot better, in my opinion. Um, I'll probably watch number three next, just because it's been a while. That's true. Actually, know that's true. I'm really curious about that because, like, I know it's not. I know it's critically the worst one and audience score wise too. But I really liked it. Am I going to hate it? I don't know. Something wrong with me? Yeah. Well, he's there. <laughs> Maybe. Um, all right. Cultural. Oh, sorry. What, what was your overall takeaway? What's your verdict? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, not as great as I remember. Um, but, you know, it's still got some great bits and it's it'll be watched again. Yeah. Hundred percent. I mean, Eddie Murphy's still in it, and that's enough for me, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, just create space for Eddie Murphy to do Eddie Murphy stuff, and I'm good. Precisely. Um, did Simpsons do it? I think they've used the music a few times, but I don't. I don't think they've made any overt references. Porn parody, yes. <laughs> and Beverly another Hills great Cock. one. Yeah, Beverly Hills Cox. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, it's good. Uh, Bechdel test, no, but they do have a tall woman. It's got to count for something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I really get into the fight. Longren, but they used. <laughs> yeah. His training girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. His lab coach. Uh, FX test. I mean, actually, that's the other thing I would say. FX test, like I said, the aesthetic's awesome, but it is nice to see real cars Crashing. Crashing into his things. Yeah. And cops going, what? Yeah, classic like pile-ups and things. Yeah, (laughs) that's a real classic kind of visual that we don't get so much anymore. Mm -hmm. But I guess that's it. MVP? Dancing guy. (laughs) Dancing guy, yeah. Well, he's my low key. Dancing guy three at. He's great. Hefner Mansion. He's my low key MVP. But my MVP is, this might be controversial. Gilbert Gottfried. Oh. I really enjoyed that scene, man. I really enjoyed it. There you go. Um, and, you know, I mean, of, of course, I just said we watched this movie for Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy's in it and he's awesome, of course. But, you know, trying to find a spotlight here for, for people that, you know, Eddie Murphy's yeah. going to be the best thing in everything he's in. So sure. there you go. Sure. I'll give it to um, former President Gerald Ford. <laughs> And the dancers at Club 386. <laughs> More visual gags. Really great, is it? <laughs> yeah, those dancers, they really were grinding the pole. $9 they for were... a Coke. That's what, Actually, that's the one line that stuck with me from this movie. $9 for a Coke. Yeah, that's right. Did they go to a strip club in the first one too? They did, right? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah okay. It's a great opportunity to expose some breasts to the audience. 80s movies always had that kind of scene in it. Yeah. Tony Scott's and got a couple of those scenes in um, other movies too. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing next week, Greg? We don't know yet, or do we? Uh, well, Ooh, well, check the socials. By the time you're listening, we will. <laughs> right now, in this moment, on the 3rd of September, 11, 12 a.m. Sydney time, Oh, it's the 2nd of September where you are. Whoa. <laughs> oh, sorry, wrong button. <laughs> Either way, we don't know yet. 
Yeah. We don't know. But it's going to be great. And we look forward to spending this time with you once more. Mm. But until then. Until then. Take care of yourselves. And each other. (laughs) Bye. Do you, you have a steady lady friend? Not really. Well, you're, you're young. I mean, I have a friend, you know, but not, you know. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's not like. No, I, I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean a friend in the platonic no, the, relationship? No, yeah, it's, a, it's like, I, I know it's a bunch of ladies that I know that did like this when you said that. Mm. <laughs> he might mention my. I'm going to see what he's going to say. <laughs> Okay, we'll get off the bridge. And then later on this week, I'm going, baby, you so special. You ain't think so on the Tonight Show. (laughs) (laughs) What, you forgot my special name that night? (laughs) (laughs) Look, you're young. Baby, you know know you're special. That's right. (laughs) I had to say your name because you know it's you. (laughs) (laughs) 